Hello and welcome to Sporting Directors Corner here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look at football in the context of sporting directors and delve deeper into this multifaceted role and its impact within football across the globe. My name is Shailesh, I'm the CEO at Get Football Group and I'll be your host today. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, David. David, how are you this morning? I'm well, Shailash. How are you? I'm good, David. I'm very good. Um, looking forward to this one because I know uh, we're going to be talking about one of your favourites. So so what are, what are we talking about today? So we're, we're going to look at Aston Villa, but not necessarily the club directly, but some of the pieces, I guess, that are, are making up that club from a sporting director's angle when obviously they have just recently brought in Monchi, who is a, a very, very highly regarded um, sporting director. Um, they have Unai Emery as a manager, again, someone who's quite well-travelled, um, has had plenty of success, and, and things seems to be, I guess, aligning um, within that club. And I think we wanted to today look at, you know, what's happening at that club, look at what's happening with the pieces from an alignment standpoint, and, and try to understand a bit more what, I guess, they can expect going forward maybe based on, on some of the things that have happened in the past and have a conversation about that. So to, to get us started, David, I think, you know, I know Monchi is, is one of your favourites. So I wanted to kind of go into, well, well, why? I mean, what kind of sets him apart in the sporting director's realm, shall I say? And, and you know, what, what does he do that maybe others don't? And what can, I guess, we look forward to going forward? Yeah, it's a great it's a great starting point. So my uh, admiration for what Manchi has been able to do over his um, uh, director career is quite simply, uh, I mean, I've, I've labeled it player arbitrage, which, you know, you can call it player trading, you could call it money, but you could call it whatever you want. Uh, the, the fact of the matter in, in very simple, uh, you know, uh, layman's terms for me is that he is one of a handful of directors, and, and I'll try my best to, to name some off here uh, shortly, but he's one of a, one of a handful of, of directors that can see and project a talent in the right window of time. So all that window of time really means is, can we get that talent, that profile, at a digestible amount, whether for free, whether on loan, whether, um, you know, at a, an obscene, obscenely underrated, undervalued uh, price tag. Can we get that player? That's the first part. The second part is, can that player perform for our manager? And that part is why, for me, I'm, uh, I am on, I am driving the bandwagon for the Aston Villa, Manchi and Unai Emery uh, success <laughs> train. I don't know. There's a lot of an analogies there. <laughs> Uh, I'm driving that that bandwagon simply because all they do together is win. Uh, yes, yes, they're in the Premier League and, and the stakes are probably the highest they'll ever be for the partnership. But like I said, that second step there, once you understand how do I, how do I feel, how do I think this profile fits into the project with the specific manager that we have. So that's part two. And then part three is more subjective to a degree. I, I mean, it really is, okay, can you sell that player on or, or does that player become a pillar of the, the first team? It really depends, right? Um, some some clubs, just based off of uh, you know, financial underpinnings, 
I mean, you have any success with the player, he's gone. He has to go. He, I mean, it's not even that you, you do or don't want him. Financially speaking, you have to move him on. Other clubs where you kind of saw it, um, definitely saw it at Sevilla with uh, Emery and uh, Monchi, you, you will have pillars of the club that will go um, because they command a certain price tag, but then they'll come back. Uh, the obvious one uh, in this example is one uh, along the lines of um, Ivan Rakitic, but even before Emery's time uh, with Sevilla, you had Jesus Navas, who, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, I do, but I don't understand. I don't think we understand how amazing it is for a player of that caliber to still be playing. Um, but he gets sold to Manchester City for a very uh, large chunk of change um and then he comes back and he still wins and he's still a pillar of the, the first team so those that's the three-part um reason why i'm a big fan of uh monchi obviously uh, I, i've written a lot about monchi over the past two plus years but then in this aston villa uh project i think historically right when, when, when you look at monchi i think um you know i think sevilla they've had like they've won I think 11 trophies since 2005 all of them under Monchi's watch right so you cannot question um the success from that angle but you know slightly controversially maybe I mean his his time at Roma um was maybe a uh you know he had a, he had a good first season and then maybe there were some things that didn't quite work out for him is it is it a case of how hard is it, I guess, to move outside of your country that you are, have had so much success and moving to other places? I mean, what kind of things do you think he experiences from a, from a sporting director's um, like world? And then how do you think that's going to look at Villa, I think? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it's one of, I think I have uh, in my uh, undervalue garage, uh, figuratively speaking, I have a soapbox. I have about five soapboxes, uh, soapboxes where I preach. Uh, one of the ones where I preach a lot of, uh, hopefully it's not propaganda, but it, you know it is what it is. I uh, Monchi's time at Roma comes down to three words, one sentence: lack of alignment. Right? There's a reason why I always talk about fit and alignment. It's not because I'm trying to brainwash anybody, even though that'd be great. Uh, it, it's more so to illustrate the fact that it doesn't matter how talented you are, if you're not in a environment and you're and you're not in a playing style you're not in an ownership group if you're not if you're not as a manager if you cannot trust your directors you are not aligned and aligned isn't necessarily you know um 433 or we only use money ball and debt none that, i mean that those are components ideologically philosophically you have to be on the same page um, I've, I've written about this, so I mean, maybe it's, it'd be simpler to just link link it to the um, uh, the, the interview, the, the the podcast. But between James Palotta, uh, Rome, uh, Roma, just as far as financially speaking, and then the the uh, the I'm going to call it the scenario, the the, the issues with Eusebio de, de Francesco as far as manager. It doesn't matter which side you pick. It doesn't matter which. Um, let's call it negative criterion you highlight, they were never aligned completely. And that is where even in, I would say, even in the the uh, morass that was this Sevilla season where, make no mistake about it, them winning the Europa League, papers over 
a horrendous season for them. Absolutely horrendous. Um, just just insanity. I mean, w- w- let's put all the knives on the table. Uh, Isco is saying that in the last week or so, Isco has said that uh, Monchi tried to fight him, this, that, and the other. Look, um, I'm going to be honest. I, I, he's probably right. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't there. It was a terrible season. The the the, the cauldron uh, of the Nervion was very hot, and between the ownership, the board, and the players, and uh, you know the, the different manager, I believe, I think they had two. They might have had three managers, but I know they had for two for sure. Uh, it was not a great uh, situation. There was there was alignment as far as goals, but there was not alignment between ownership, Monchi, and manager until it was. Until it was until until it mattered. Let's just say the last six to eight weeks of the season. So they were essentially trying to stave off relegation, which is insane to think about, right? They're trying to stave off relegation. That happens. Well, by the way, we have a chance to do what we always do, which is you know win the Europa League. They do that, and then Manchi probably um, you know for cardiovascular reasons wants a new project because it's it's insanity. So. Uh, again, that was a soapbox. That was very long-winded. And and I'll be the first to say, and he, I mean, and I share this uh, on Twitter, he has even said, hey, Roma didn't work out mainly because of me. Uh, in his farewell um, press conference with Sevilla, or yeah, with Sevilla, I believe probably two weeks ago now, he, he clearly states, look, like, um, I, I am very much a special individual and i don't say that for you know you know to to loud myself i say it more so that things have to be specific i have to be i have to feel 100 percent. and if i'm not 100 there's going to be lots of problems because i am very particular so um am i foreseeing drama or problems with aston villa i keep wanting to say aston villa because my Spanish kicks in, so uh, I'm just gonna start saying that honestly. Uh, but uh, do I foresee problems? Yeah, I, I do. I, 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 there's going to be. Um, this is why it's good that Emery is there, and uh, Emery's uh, personal or exact. I don't know what he's even called up, but Vidagani is there as well because they'll be able to tell Monchi like, "Hey, look, you don't even touch your microphone <laughs> unless unless it's with a Spanish." first speaking um uh publication like relevo or marsa or uh as like you don't just don't do it because that way you can at least control the narrative because the premier league is just i mean you you know uh we all know premier league is just a different level of heat so uh again uh, long-winded but i i do not i there will be drama there will be drama there has to be there has to be drama However, I think it's par for the course. Um, th- you don't win three Europa Leagues in a row as a tandem, as a setup, without understanding where the valleys and where the peaks could be. So, yeah, there will be drama. There has to be. But I, I don't think that's even th- – I-, I mean, that is by no means a deterrent for what's capable, what's possible. David, it's football. There's always drama, no matter where you are, right? So, but it's actually interesting when I look at his his history. You know, I see 
the Sevilla kind of chapter is kind of a kind of a harmonious one, um, one where he's able to probably have quite a lot of authority, quite a lot of control. Moving to Roma, where it's it's, it's very different. You're in the cauldron of Rome, you know, big club, and then you go back to Sevilla where. He has other issues, but they still manages to win. So it kind of validates him a little bit. But he's had experience of all of these things now, right? But when you talk about alignment, you know, it's never going to be straightforward. And I think when, even you know, as an individual, when you're going to different jobs, you're trying to find your fit, you're trying to find your position, you're trying to find how can I fit into this. And whether it's a bad experience or a good one, it all feeds into just that experience to make it better. So I, I you know, I'd be as a Villa supporter or as someone looking at Aston Villa, seeing someone like that come in who's had ex- that level of experience of various different scenarios, I think it, it only would stand them in good stead. And I think, like you said, being allied with, I guess, friends in the team, like Emery, people he's worked with before, is, is only going to, I guess, make him feel stronger to come into what you call the Premier League, which does feel like a, a different beast. And, I just want to kind of go into the Premier League. I mean, why why do you think the Premier League is is different in terms of what I guess it imposes upon a sporting director? And this is more a general question. I mean, what do you see from the directors that you profiled? Yeah, it's it, um, as you'll learn from me. I, I just I just cut to the chase. There's just more money. There's just more. There's more eyeballs. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. there's more at stake in the Premier League. That's not to compare to the other leagues directly. It's just to say that, you know, um, take take uh, Musa Diaby uh, being transferred from uh, Bayer Leverkusen to Aston Villa. I'm just saying Villa the rest of the day. Uh, uh, that 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 transfer, I believe it's um, what forty million euros or something like something around there. Um, yeah. I forget what it is um, pounds, but uh, that's it's not so much that that um, is a big or heavy transfer. Right now. I mean, it's 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 eye opening, but it's not. It doesn't ring any alarms. What does ring alarms is when you don't go far in the FA Cup or when when you have issues because the. The thing that's not said, and this is me saying this as an American, as somebody who does not live in the UK, the thing that's not said enough about the Premier League, and it's, I'm, here we go talking about floors and ceilings again, the, the fan, the supporter, has a very high level of football knowledge. They can see, I'm going to be candid, they can see crap. They know what is crap, right? So when you're a director and you are trumpeting a project and it's not lining up with what's on the field, you cannot hide. You cannot hide because that's that league has the brightest spotlight. It has the most amount of investment in it um, by far. And even if it didn't have the most amount of investment, you know, hello, uh, Saudi Premier League, uh, even if it didn't have that level of investment, it still has the most gravitas, right, globally. So as a director, you have to be able to reconcile, big word, but you have to be able to reconcile what are we doing and how do I communicate it? Um, One of the undertones that you've seen, I think it it came out really uh, plainly with Antonio Conte and Tottenham and Daniel Levy. Um, uh, Antonio Conte basically said, uh, you know, I'm the manager. I'm doing training sessions. 
I shouldn't be talking about recruitment as much as you guys expect me to. Um, the sporting director, which ironically was Fabio Paratici, uh, again, uh, the the, the storylines basically write themselves. So to, to go back to my other point, there will always be drama and it's always, um, you, you don't have to go far for it. Uh, that like, I, I can understand. Um, I don't. I don't agree with it, but I can understand why so many directors do not seek nor want um, the microphone or want to be interviewed or want to be on camera. I, I get it because they know that it is it is on a string a lot of times. Um, the public perspe- uh, perspective of you and, and even more accurate, accurately, public approval is is a very flighty thing. However, uh, to me, it's just like, you know, the episode we talked about heavy shirts. If you are, if you have the minerals, if you understand what the project is and you have conviction in A, your talent, your ability to do the job as a director, B, the manager that you put in place um, to to lead the project, and then C, your ability. And this is, I mean, I say it a lot, but I don't think it's appreciated. So I'll keep saying it a lot. If you have the ability to commu- uh, communicate where you are going, you can solve so many problems before they arise, before they arise. And, and that is that is where um, managers and directors alike, uh, to me, that's where they, they fall apart. They're not able to uh, explain or articulate what is happening and where they are trying to go as a club, as a as a team as a project and that just makes it hotter. So uh, again, it's gonna be a long-winded Monday, but like that to me, that that is that is the the the, the crux of it. You 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 have an opportunity because of the spotlight, because of the stage, and because of the investment to do things in a big way. Yet you have to have at least one poor uh, one player, not player, one person, one role. Uh, so usually a manager or a director, or maybe it's an owner, depending on the club, who's able to protect and align the project in a manner that is, um, dare I say, drama proof. I think a sporting director needs to be able to convey his message, his thinking to the outside world. I mean, that Conte um, press conference probably go down in folklore, but I did fundamentally agree with everything he says like why the hell are you questioning me on things which the sporting director should be answering right so i mean do you not think so david i mean do you not think going forward in the future sporting directors are gonna have to come out more and explain themselves especially in in leagues like the premier league where there are so many eyes at every single level of the organization looking at you no, I 1,000% I, I agree with Antonio Conte. If you know Antonio Conte's history, this is not some, um, dare I say, lucky guy. He is, his, his nickname is, well, I wouldn't call it his nickname. The, the, the nickname that his players have given him, so we're talking about Chiellini, uh, Giorgio Chiellini, Leonardo Bonucci is Martello. Martello in Italian translates into hammer. He hammers his players. He hammers the playing style. He hammers expectation. And in Italy, where you have a culture of having uh, director de, uh, de sport, uh, where you have a sporting director who handles the team, they, they handle the project. They answer the questions about the project, the first team, the academy, uh, transfer window. They handle all that. 
the manager just quite honestly says, hey, um, I have the players that I have. Yes, I want. Um, and they say it very carefully, but they say, yes, I would like to have uh, Romelu Lukaku. But um, that is not my remit. My remit is to get the first team ready. When you don't have leadership in place to take the big arrows, uh, e- even if only for perception, you only I, I, those of us on the outside only see one person and we see him or, sh- or her, but usually him as a target. So, I mean, I know we're, t- we're, we're trying to talk about Aston Villa, but that, that the, the uh, Tottenham Conte uh, dynamic um, is, is very revealing as far as why the, the Monchi Emery uh, partnership has more potential, uh, potential. Because when you look at Conte and Tottenham and Paratici and Levy, I mean, how, how was that aligned, right? You know, I mean, it's easy to say now. I mean, hindsight is, is it's not even 2020. Hindsight's 10-10, right? Uh, it's easy to say now, what, what, where was the alignment? But when it got hot, who who was standing in front of the microphones? The one person no. who was not going, who was not going to, um, you know, puff. He was not, he was not going to be nice. He was going to tell, you know, what what he signed up for, right? And and uh, Paratici has his has or has had or has, depending on how you look at it, had his own problems, you know, with, you know, the Valenza mm. nonsense in Italy. But then where's Daniel Levy? Right. So it, it becomes. Um, and again, you know, I mean, this is my weekly disclaimer. If your club is being bashed by what I say or I am bashing your club or what happened, please understand it's only for illustrative purposes. I'm not actively against anybody. <laughs> or anybody's uh, anything. I just, I, I use it more for to, to illustrate the point. But, you know, wh- where are the directors? Where's the chairman of the board? You know, you're going to let the one person who English is not his first language take the heat? I don't, I've, I've never, I've n- I, I, I can't respect that if, if the project is bigger than uh, the manager, if that makes sense. Uh, it does. And I think just, just to clarify and add to that disclaimer, there is nothing but love on this show for all football clubs and all sporting directors. It's a very light disclaimer, shall we say. Um, but no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think going forward, I think the demarcation points within an organisation, I guess they don't have to be public, but it becomes very evident when you have, I guess, uh, a press conference like Conte's where he's very clearly laying out <laughs> what things are happening and who should be doing what. But but coming 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 back to I guess now, looking at Aston Villa, looking at this team, um, I guess the hierarchy of the team above with Emery and Monchi and you know and the other guys that are coming as well. You know, I know for a fact um, that Villa are investing in infrastructure as well. So their owners have come in 2018, there is infrastructure being built around the Birmingham area um, for the youth. You know, they are, you know, the biggest club in, in the second city in England, right? So I guess from a heavy shirt perspective, they do have that because they have previous history, um, a lot, a lot of culture there as well. So what what do you think they can expect from this kind of combination, David? I mean, this was a combination that I think Arsenal wanted back in when Emery first came in as well. I think they were trying to court Monchi back then and it didn't work out. And when we talk about fit and alignment, you know, they've not done so bad recently. So 
what do you think Villa fans can expect from an Emery-Monchi partnership? Yeah, that's, that's actually a great um, contrast, a great constellation uh, club to compare it to. So, again, I mean, this is me saying it. So, I mean, uh, uh, grab your buckets of salt and apply uh, generously. I, I don't really... I don't really see Monchi working. Monchi working um, at his best at a top tier, top of the food chain club. Oh well, okay, uh, David, you, you you like Monchi so much, you don't think he's that good? It's not that I don't think he's that good. I think more so that when you're talking about the Arsenal's, the Chelsea's, the Mar- uh, Manchester City's, Manchester United's, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Juventus. I guess you can throw in Roma, Lazio, Napoli. Um, when, when you start talking about those level clubs, you're, you're not. Uh, what is the word to use? You, you're doing less building and less projecting, and you're maintaining, right? So you you have to. Uh, I mean, we, we talked previously about uh, Florentino Perez telling his his uh, his lieutenants, "I don't want any, and I don't want another Neymar leaving South America." and signing anywhere else, let alone Barca. Like, I mean, in so many words, you all are fired if that happens, right? Um, I, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's Monchi's best case scenario. His best case scenario is, hey, I need a manager that I trust, that understands how we, how, how I operate, okay? And then I need, I don't need a huge bank account, uh, you know, or a budget, but I need I need ownership slash board support in the project. So I might spend 19 million. Sorry, 19. Did I say 19? I might spend 40 million euros on one player, but I might litter in one to, to seven million euro players, just depending on the opportunity. Do not be distracted. Like there's a bigger plan at play. And he had that at Sevilla. He had it. He had it. And, you know, in both spells. Right. So um, when, when you talk about an Arsenal or Chelsea or, or you know, uh, Manchester United, no, <laughs> no. And it's no disrespect to those clubs or to him. It's just more so you're not building something. You have to win. You have to win. I mean, you, if you look at um, and, and it's shaping up similarly, ironically, but you look at Manchester United as a backdrop. Who do you see? Who do we hear talking about the project? At least for me, outside the outside the UK, the only person I see is Eric Ten Hag. Like that, it's not that it can or can't be done, or it shouldn't be that way, right? I just think that, like at the end of the day, if you if you're going to build something that is sustainable, you need you sometimes you need a good cop, sometimes you need a bad cop, sometimes you need somebody who is just I don't know what word to use uh, on a Monday morning. Uh, uh, sometimes you need somebody who is just a jerk, somebody who is very uh, tight. I don't want to say a Roy Keane or Antonio Conte, but you need you need that guy, right, to to basically um, glare at reporters. But then you know, uh, one of my favorite directors, who at some point here I will. Um, write in detail about is uh, Giuseppe or Beppe Marotta at Inter. All he's done, and I'll, I'll go back to my list of, of, of directors who can project talent correctly in a window. He's one of them. All he does, doesn't matter if, if he's at Juventus, doesn't matter if he's at Sampdoria, doesn't matter if he's at Inter now, 
is he aligns recruitment with the project. So with the project means two things, with the manager first and foremost, and then secondly, but just as important financially. And he he knows when to do the interviews and he knows when to just be seen at the, the, the stadium. That's it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's usually very much a diplomat. Oh, Romelu is a great player. It's between Romelu and Chelsea. Ciao. You know, like he doesn't, he, he doesn't, he doesn't get into anything that is, um, dare I say, uh, divisive because A, that's not his style, but B, um, it'll be done for him. Right. So, so why, why, why fan that flame? So, uh, really quickly, like I'll, I'll let, list off some directors who can project talent accurately. So uh, obviously, Manchi. Uh, I mean, that goes without saying. Uh, Beppe Marotta is, is another one. Uh, he, he's done it for whew, 30, 40 years now. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to him because he, he's at a smaller club in Italy. But Pantaleo Corvino at Lecce, all, all he does is get talent before everybody else. I mean, the, the apple in the eye right now is Dusan Blahovic. I hope I said that correctly. Uh, at Juve, he found him at Fiorentina well before everybody else. Right. And, um, he keeps doing it. So that, that's another one. Um, after that, you, you, you step more into, well, is it, is it more so along the lines of, um, the French or the German development model where you have so much talent and it's more so given the minutes, but, I guess to cop out, those those are three off the top of my head that they consistently, they find talent, that talent competes at the top tier, and they find a way to either um, sell them on for more or gain on-pitch performance that is of the highest regard. It's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that list, probably another episode for us to go into it. And I think when, when you're talking about recruitment at the Premier League level though it's a little bit different though David I mean the, the money is is different you know you know you're not going to be seen as oh why am I buying a two million euro player never heard of him don't know what he's going to do etc they the demand from I guess fans and people that watch the league is slightly different how do you think someone like Monchi and Emery I guess would deal with that I mean they've just exhibited big money transfers very recently but is that a slight change from the way they would normally operate it's a great question, and it really depends more so on uh, Aston Villa's uh, current setup. Yeah. <laughs> the La Liga team, Aston Villa, right? Yeah, and the double L will get me every time. Uh, <laughs> but but it's been proven that it can be done. Brighton has been doing it. They've been doing it. They've been bringing in players where you're like, okay, who is this Ecuadorian kid? He does, like he didn't play top flight anything like in Ecuador. How is he supposed to be good now? Okay, Todd Bowley keeps calling for him, right? So um, it, it, it is not, and that's Moises Caicedo, by the way. But but at the end of the day, um, just because just because there's more money and there's more eyeballs doesn't mean that the skill level is is higher or has changed. You have to be able to project talent, right? Uh, I, I talk about it in some form or fashion every week. Uh, it, it, you as a director, you have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to connect the supporters with the team. So whether that's more so the manager or the captain or, or, or what have you, you have to keep that connection going. But you, I think of the utmost importance, you have to source talent. Monchi has never had a problem doing that. 
what he has had problems with is being able or being allowed, maybe that's more so the word, being allowed to communicate the project. It's one thing to do at Sevilla where you played and, and Diego uh, Mar- Maradona gave you a Rolex, right? That's 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 easy. You know, that's you're, you're, you're Spanish. You're from that area. Everybody knows you. That is completely, uh, dare I say, hogwash or irrelevant when you're in Rome and they do not care. They don't care. They want to win. They want to win. You know, um, I think of, and this is somewhat of a, a side note, but uh, Daniel De uh, Rossi, he was one of the ones that kind of got pushed out um, when they, I say kind of, flew on my phone. He got pushed out pretty aggressively while Monchi was there, which is another thing. You, uh, directors, you need to take care of club legends. You need to take care of, of captains. You don't don't just show them the door. I mean, I don't I don't really know how much Monchi had to do with that, but I just I, I've bookmarked a tweet and maybe I'll, I'll I'll retweet it out here just just for uh, laughs. Um, but it, it's essentially a meme saying one does not simply sack Paolo Maldini. You cannot, you cannot do that. I, I mean, I understand, I understand that um, there, there was probably uh, no more alignment. But when it comes, reason why football is different, reason why Super League, stuff like that doesn't take flight. The reason why there's, there's this animus towards the Saudi Pro League is because football is very personal. It's very communal. And there is an identity that, again, I'll say it again. I don't think I've found another sport that cares more about the identity of the club than football. I, I don't think so. The only thing that I, the only um, uh, example that I can think of is here in the States and it's with college American football. Um, that's it, you know? So it doesn't matter how much money you have. It really boils down to how do you identify as a club, as a supporter? Um, so back to my quick little story. So Daniel De Rossi gets pushed out. He still wants to play, but he knows that he he's limited, right? I mean, he's 35, 36 years old. Um, he's limited. Who does he go to play for? Boca Juniors. And if for, for those of us who, I said us, those of you, those of you who don't <laughs> understand or don't appreciate how intense Argentinian football is, the Boca Junior Stadium, I can't recall the name of it off the top of my head. Daniel De Rossi, World Cup winner. Um, I, I don't think. I think he came later. Um, I think he came two or three seasons after Totti uh, and Roma won the league, won the Scudetto. He, like, he's been, he, he, he's played Manchester United. He's played Champions League. He's, he's done all these places. And he's looking at the fans, the supporters in um, – the Boca Junior Stadium chanting his name and he's crying. Like I get, to, I get goosebumps remembering it, and I need to find it, uh, the clip, because that is what the game is about at its essence. It's about connection. And as a director, if you do not connect all of these moving parts, and there's more, right? There's more that are are less um, seen, but if if you can, and this is incumbent on ownership initially. Right. Um, if ownership can put, uh, I think they've already done it with Unai very well. But if they can put Monchi in a position to succeed as far as connection, and quite frankly, that might be as simple as um, 
dare I say, uh, a transfer or two. So Musa Diaby and then maybe somebody else who is um, a name, a name who can do a job, who the fans and supporters can attach themselves to. Um, if they can, if the, if, the, if the team can do that, it allows for them to blossom and to trust uh, the director. And maybe that's what it's about. Because in my mind, I'm thinking that they have Cameron Archer, who I'm very high on, um, but that's not necessarily a, a munchy, you know, recruit, right? But how do you connect the players, the players, the manager, and the supporters? You can only do it one way, especially if you don't speak English or you don't speak the, the primary language. They have to, you have to build trust, right? So again, I apologize for that one being somewhat long-winded and, and windy, but it's about trust. Directors have to build and, and maintain trust, in their communication and in their recruitment decisions. No, I mean, it's a great story about Daniel De Rossi. And I think your, the trust is important. And I think him coming in um, to an environment, I think Christian Perslow, who's, I guess, one of the senior execs there for many, many years has just left. The owners have come in several years ago now, but I think, you know, they come with a lot of wealth. He seems to have a team around him where, yes, he is a big name and maybe all roads point into him as it maybe should do with, someone of that stature, um, but he has a team around there to support him, which maybe he didn't have previously. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And also the communication angle as well. I mean, you know, English speaking, how they communicate out with the number of eyes coming into it, it's important. I think they get that right, I think, as well. And having Emery there, you know, who's obviously well-versed to the league now um, and doing well, you know, I think, that, you know, the second half of last season, I think his points per game was right up there with the top teams. So he's they're definitely on a good path, I think. Um, what do you think, um, just finally, them two are probably thinking from a success standpoint, I mean, is it, let's just win the Europa League because we know how to do that because we've done it so many times. I mean, what do, what do you think they are going to be judging themselves on just lastly as a success at Villa? It's a good question. And I think that uh, for me, what I've kind of it's kind of lazy but it, it works it, it it distills it to the most um, essential uh, me- metric if you will to me what is what is the worst best thing that could happen for this season right so w- the worst best thing that could happen for this season is they get at least to the semis uh semifinals in the Europa League right uh, if not, win it all. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if, if, if they can do that. Uh, but if West Ham can, I would imagine Unai Emery and uh, a, a, a lot of players of similar or lesser ability would have a fighting chance. So um, that that is key. However, the dynamic that I didn't get to about the Premier League that is of the utmost importance is that you have two things working against you at all times. Um, you have investment from the bigger, the, you know, the, the big six, the you know, the bigger clubs, but then also like you you have you have to you have to fight upwards. You cannot the, the the championship clubs that that cycle in and out every single year are too good for you to say, oh no, we'll just keep doing what we're doing, you know. A, a cautionary tale, more so just in, you know, um, I'm going to call it in stasis, is Leicester City. They, they won the league less than 10 years ago, and now they're back in the championship. 
I'm not saying it's as straightforward as, you know, um, you know, that there were, they had a lot of inertia, but then tell me what it was, right? Because at the end of the day, you, you have to stay, you have to stay up like in the top 10, you know, you can lose managers, you can lose talent. Um, you can have bad stretches, but for, for every, um, for, I'm trying to think of a club here, uh, recently, um, the only one I can think of for every, for every Brentford, you know, that comes up that has uh, a plan and it's data specific and it's very rational. You have a Chelsea and a Todd Bowley who have the means to say, you know what? We're buying, we're buying. Oh, Todd, what are you buying? All of it. <laughs> like we're, 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 buying, we're buying all of it. Every single under 23 talent that every other club in our uh, direct, um, you know, purview or, or, or confrontation in the UK, we're getting it before them. That's a whole other conversation as far as the validity of that. But what it means for a club like Aston Villa is you have, <laughs> you, you have to, you have to adapt. Like this season, this season, in my opinion, has to be broken up into at least two seasons. Okay. How do we get to Christmas? How do we get to Boxing Day? And uh, like, how do we get there intact? And intact just simply means still in Europe, still competing for uh, you know the, the grand prize in, in the Europa League. But then I would say they need to be top ten, if not top eight or so, in the Premier League. That's hard to do. That's that that is hard to do. So. Uh, especially just based off of the, um, I know Monchi moved there within the last two, three weeks, roughly. Um, I, I would call this first year or this first window as a wash because, I mean, how, how do you really give him credit or any demerits for what has happened or what will happen? You know, I, I mean, to a degree, you, you should simply because um, from from what I understand, Unai and his his um, his setup has dictated a lot of the transfers, or a lot, at least a lot of the, the decisions. But we won't know more until Boxing Day, right? Like we'll know more as far as where things are going, and maybe more so like what um, what the, the the general I'm going to call it competitive advantages, because the competitive advantage for and this is my take, so hopefully I can make it compact. One of the reasons why Manchi was so good for Sevilla, and especially when Unai was there, is because they mastered pathways, mastered it. They could pluck a player from Spartak Moscow and say, hey, don't mess up. This is your opportunity to get back into the European proper and do well. And then if you do do what we think you can do, then you're going to have a list of clubs going after you. And they were able to get, again, they're able to, to pinpoint the trajectory of that profile for that portion of the project and then move them on. Um, Aston Villa, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know if it's one of those things where they, they want to consolidate. I don't think that they should. I think that's too soon. Um, but but that's, what, that's what you're up against, right? If you look uh, across the way, sort of at, say, like West Ham, I don't want to say that, you know, they got lucky winning the Europa Conference. I, I just want to say that puts, that puts, it's going to um, expose or put undue pressure on the project now. 
because you know what the ceiling is, right? And that let's, let's just be honest, that, that ceiling is rather close to the floor. Um, just, you know, my take on it. So I, I don't know, but they, they, need, they need to be fighting on all fronts. And maybe it becomes more of a, hey, um, quite honestly, our best ticket to European football for 24-25 is to win cups. So we focus on the Europa League and we focus on the FA Cup or, or, you know, whatever combination of that is. And we we stay top top of the you know top half of the table uh, domestically. I don't know, but we'll I think we'll have a better idea uh, here in about four and a half months. Uh, I, I agree with you, actually. I mean, as with with any, I guess, new employee coming into any organization, you have to give them a few months of settling and bedding. Um, and, and obviously with Emery there, he's obviously you know, set the path um, on a track, which I think Monchi's going to be, you know, I guess a key key member of. And I think you're right. I think um, European competitions, they have that now, right, for the first time in many years to to kind of, I guess, experiment a little bit or try, I guess, some of the things that have helped them win these things in the past. So it's quite exciting for, for Villa, I would say, you know, with all of these things in place and, and, and a team in place, that can try to execute across various angles. Um, but David, I think that's a nice way to wrap it up. Very positive, I think, today. And I think uh, Villa fans should be positive to see what happens in the in the coming season. And I think as from a sporting director standpoint as well, it'd be very interesting to see how Monchi does in this environment um, in the Premier League. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on it and seeing, you know, how he performs um, compared to what's happened in the past. But again, it's, it feels it feels positive right now. So it just leads me to say thank you to you, the, the listeners out there, for taking time out of your day to, to listen to us and, and listen to this conversation. We really, really appreciate um, you taking time out and also giving us the feedback um, to continue these conversations, which I know many of you do enjoy. Um, please keep liking um, the podcast, subscribe, um, you know, tell your friends about it and you know, let us know any other feedback or topics that you think we should be discussing. I will put David's um, Twitter handle in the show notes as always and uh, alongside all of our Get Football media outlets where we cover European football and world football you know, with, with news videos and, and you know, other opinions from some of the most plugged in analysts. And as always, just lastly, I want to say we just hope you have a great day. Bye.